Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Articles to Watch at Special Town Meeting by Joanna K. Zavallis. Town meeting members have some critical decisions to make November 13, 14, and possibly the 15th, which will affect Belmont's future. Funding for the high school project. The debt exclusion vote passed on November 6th. Town meeting members will be asked to appropriate $295 million to, to design and build a new school and playing fields for a grade 7 to 12 building to replace the current Belmont High School building, with the exception of the field house and the Higgin, Higginbottom pool. If approved, the new building will have capacity for 2,215 students. It will break ground in the summer of 2019 and be completed in two phases. The grade 9 to 12 part of the building will be ready the summer of 2021. The grade 7 and 8 part of the building is expected to be completed the summer of 2023. This requires a two-thirds vote for passage. Local Business One Overlay. The future of Salt Pleasant Street is also in the hands of town meeting members. They need to decide whether or not to add a Local Business One Overlay to the current Local Business Two District. This overlay would allow for age-restricted housing development and an assisted living facility. It would prohibit banks, drive-throughs, and adult entertainment. Two-thirds vote is required for passage of this article. Adult Use Marijuana Overlay Where adult use marijuana establishments are allowed is another critical decision town meeting members will make. The planning board is proposing South Pleasant Street between Snake Hill Road and Trapello Road as the overlay district where marijuana retailers will be allowed to open by special permit. According to senior planner Jeffrey Wheeler, if this article is not approved, retail marijuana sales will be treated the same way that the zoning bylaws currently regulates retail sales now. All of the commercial districts will be open to retail sales and they would be allowed by right. However, Wheeler added, there could not be more than two retail stores since that was limited by the townwide vote on September 25th. If the town wanted to try again to pass an adult use marijuana bylaw, another special town meeting would have to be called before December 31 because only town meeting can adopt zoning. The bylaw would have to go through the planning board's zoning amendment public hearing process as well, said Wheeler. Planning board chairman Charles Clark believes town meeting will vote in the best interest of the town, and he thinks the best interest of the town is to adopt the zoning the planning board is proposing. I have faith in town meeting, and I don't think town meeting 
will go in a direction where we have no zoning at all, said Clark. At the League of Women Voters warrant briefing on October 30, Planning Board Vice Chairman Steve Pinkerton said, I strongly urge everyone to pass the zoning amendment. There is very little to be gained from shooting this down, he said. A two-thirds vote is required for passage of this article. Citizens petition to extend moratorium on adult use marijuana. A citizen's petition to extend the moratorium on marijuana establishments from December 31 to June 30, 2019, will also need to be voted on at the special town meeting. According to Portia Thompson, who filed the citizen's petition, many other cities and towns have already extended their moratoriums until <coughs> June 30, 2019. I think extending the moratorium might be appropriate for Belmont as well, wrote Thompson in an email to the Citizen Herald. At the warrant briefing on October 30, town meeting member Bob McGaw asked what additional study could be done if the moratorium is extended. Pinkerton said it's hard to imagine what they could study for another six months if the citizens' petition passes. A two-thirds vote is required for passage of this article. Community preservation funds for design of pedestrian tunnel. Town meeting will decide if $400,000 of community preservation funds should be appropriated to fund the design of a pedestrian tunnel underneath the MBTA railroad, railroad tracks at the foot of Alexander Avenue. State Senator William Brownsberger said the MBTA is extremely eager to have this put in place because it is concerned about people crossing the railroad tracks. Wheeler said this is something the town considered doing 40 years ago, and at the time the cost of the construction was $600,000. Many parents dropped their children off at Alexander Avenue to cross over the railroad tracks, said Wheeler. <coughs> this is necessary for the town, he said. A majority vote is required for passage of this article. Reduce interest rate on property tax deferrals. Currently, the interest rate for property tax deferrals set by the state is 8%. This article would reduce it to 4.5% effective in 2020. Seniors who qualify can defer paying their property taxes, and when their property is sold, they need to pay back interest to the town. Town Administrator Patrice Garvin said lowering the rate would give senior citizens the opportunity to stay in Belmont. A majority vote is required for passage of this article. And now on to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. Majority vote in favor of the debt exclusion. High voter turnout with 72.3% registered voters casting ballots by Joanna K. Zavellis. The voices of Belmont voters in support of a new grade 7 to 12 school building to replace Belmont High School were heard on November 6th, with 76% voting in favor of the $295 million debt exclusion to fund the project. Voter turnout was high, according to Town Clerk Ellen O'Brien Cushman, with 72.3% of registered Belmont voters steadily visiting their precincts to cast their ballots throughout the day, November 6th. Early voter turnout was also high, with 3,396 of Belmont's registered voters casting early voting ballots. 
Yes for Belmont campaign chairman Sarah Masucci said they are absolutely thrilled. This was an election with an incredible turnout, and we feel wonderfully excited that we were able to reach so many people about why this is the right and responsible choice for Belmont, she said. Surprise landslide for high school project. Masucci admitted they did not expect to win by such a wide margin. The percentage of yes votes is shocking in the best way. While we were hopeful that we would win the day we didn't expect to win by this degree because it's such a significant amount of money and with such a significant number, it is challenging to ensure that voters feel confident about how that money will be spent, why it is a good and responsible choice, while we feel great about the efforts we were making, you always feel worried you're not going to reach enough people. This was a wonderful outcome, she added. Ellen Scriber, one of the leaders of the Yes for Belmont campaign, said for the past six months, supporters of the campaign have had conversations <coughs> with neighbors to communicate the campaign's main message of the need for a new school and the advantages of the grade 7 to 12 solution. The biggest challenge for this campaign has always been the cost for Belmont taxpayers. There are real problems in our schools, and we must fix them, but it's a lot of money. We've worked hard to inform voters about the cost of yes versus the cost of no. That has definitely been a big focus of the campaign, said Schreiber. High School Building Committee Chairman Bill Lavallo was very excited about the results of the accomplishments of his committee and the Yes for Belmont campaign. We had two things we wanted to do. One, engage all of Belmont in a project important for them, and two, to do it transparently and keep them involved. Our committee achieved what we wanted to do. This is a great project for Belmont, said Lavallo. There is one more hump for Lavallo and Masucci to get through, and that's the special town meeting vote on the debt exclusion, which needs to pass by two-thirds. Both said they feel hopeful, based on the election results, that it will pass, but we'll be preparing up until November 13th. We would like to thank the town of Belmont and give our deep appreciation on behalf of the students and families of Belmont for the positive vote on the 7-12 Belmont High School project. We would also like to thank the Belmont High School Building Committee, in particular, Bill Lovato and Pat Bush, as well as all the community volunteers, educators, and staff who worked to support this project over the last two years. We look forward to working hard to ensure the 7-12 to 12 school is one of the town can be proud of for the next 50 years, wrote Superintendent John Phelan in an email to the Citizen Herald. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. Olin's Bakery announces they will not reopen by Rachel Kelly. After more than two years of waiting, Olin's Bakery Donut fans finally have an answer to the question they've been asking. When will Olin's reopen? The answer was posted by Olin's Bakery on their Facebook page November 1st. The post stated, Hi everyone, unfortunately Olin's Bakery will not be opening. We want to thank everyone who has wished us well and donated. We have reached out to the GoFundMe staff, and they will be assisting with refunding everyone their donation. Please see the following message from the GoFundMe staff. Thanks to all. 
According to the Olin's Bakery Facebook page, donors have two weeks to reach out to GoFundMe to request a refund of their donation. Donors can reach out to the GoFundMe support team at support.gofundme.com hc en us. Scroll down and click on the green Contact Us button. In your message to the GoFundMe team, donors will want to either confirm that they have the same bank account or card that they used to make the donation or ask the team to confirm the name and the last four digits on the card used if they're unsure. Weeks before the Olin Facebook announcement, the Belmont Citizen Herald had already been working on a story about Olin's Bakery and its GoFundMe campaign and made several attempts to reach the Clem family and the organizer of the GoFundMe page and received no response. Olin's Bakery, which was a staple in Belmont's Cushing Square for more than 100 years, was destroyed by the explosion on March 15, 2016, which left the back wall of the building entirely blown out and the roof damaged. Co-owner Paul Clem of Burlington, whose father Robert purchased the bakery in 1967, narrowly avoided injury when he stepped away from the oven just moments before it exploded. A stack of baking pans blocked him from much of the impact. I was lucky the pan saved me, he said in a 2016 interview with the Belmont Citizen Herald. Belmont Fire Department deemed the explosion the result of a gas leak, which was soon fixed, as the Clem family planned to reopen the bakery. However, Paul and Mary Beth Clem released a statement to their Facebook page in July 2016, revealing that their personal insurance would not cover the code upgrades necessary for a bakery restoration and that their landlord's insurance would only pay repairs for retail, not a bakery. Jacqueline Davis, a former employee at Olin's, started a GoFundMe page to assist the Clem family in the rebuilding effort, raising over $24,000. However, donors like Margot Conley, a longtime fan of Olin's donuts and old-school recipes, began to wonder whether their money would ever be put to use. Conley said she would like a refund if her donations are not contributing to a future for the bakery. It's $25,000. If they're not going to reopen, there's no need for our donations, she said. On November 2nd, Olin's Bakery co-owner Mary Beth Clem, Paul's wife, posted another message on the Olin's Bakery Facebook page answering the questions they received about why they would not be reopening. Hi, everyone. I know people are wondering why we are not able to reopen. My husband, the baker, and I wanted more than anything to reopen. We were looking at a place that was big, 2,000 square feet, enough to, and was already set up as a food establishment. There are not too many places like that. Then, unfortunately, my husband, the baker, tore his rotator cuff and required surgery. He is trying hard with physical therapy, but his doctor said he might require more surgery. The bakery business is very physical and requires lifting 50-pound bags of flour, huge mixing bowls, etc. He's now unable to do the physical work. He was very depressed about this. So yes, we did try to come back, but life doesn't always work out the way we want. We will miss all of our wonderful customers. Your kindness is really appreciated. Thank you. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Clueless Coyotes Win by Joanna K. Zavallis. Sixth graders Billy Hendrickson, William Howe, William Lynn, and Anthony Liu of the Clueless Coyotes team became the champions of the 18th Annual Foundation for Belmont Education Spelling Bee 
with the winning word schism. The runner-up team was Ms. Spellers, sixth grade is Sarah Boss, Abby Den, Emily Kim, and Maya Ramathangan. More than 700 students, kindergarten through sixth grade, participated in this year's B on November 3rd at the Cherry Middle School, raising more than $20,000. Only the fifth and sixth graders were competitive swarms. Each of the winners received a trophy and $100 for Belmont Savings Bank. Each of the runner-ups received a $25 gift certificate from Belmont Books. The Foundation for Belmont Education has granted more than $3.7 million in support of hundreds of projects initiated and organized by Belmont Public School administrators, teachers, and staff. We would like to thank our B planning team for countless hours of uh, thoughtful preparation and FBE board of directors and the army of volunteers who made it all possible. Thank you to our cast of celebrity hosts, panelists, and guest speakers, the Belmont Public Schools, Chenery staff, community members, and the FBE's sponsors and donors for making the 2018 FBE Spelling Bee a tremendous success, said Laurie Bafano, Spelling Bee Chairman. The next major fundraiser for the FBE is the Spring Dinner Dance and Auction the Belmont Hill School on March 16th. And now on to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Shrek is coming. Children at the First Church Belmont Unitarian Universalist to perform the musical by Deborah Hoffman. What do Pirates of Penzance, The Sound of Music, The Wizard of Oz, and Fiddler on the Roof have in common? They're all musicals performed in the past years by children at the First Church Belmont Unitarian Universalist. This year's performance will be Shrek, the musical, and it marks the 39th consecutive year that First Church has organized a children's musical. Opening night was Thursday, November 8th at 5.30 p.m. Tickets were $12 with a special children's discount Thursday night only. Subsequent performances are Friday, November 9 at 7 p.m., Saturday, November 10, 7 p.m., Sunday, November 11 at 3 p.m. All performances were open to the public. A total of 72 youth from kindergarten to ninth grade are involved in the show, which includes 69 performers plus an additional three 10th and 11th graders who are helping with stage and management and dance choreography. Building community. One of the most rewarding parts of running a show like this, especially with young children, is watching the growing sense of pride and accomplishment that develops throughout the two-month rehearsal process, said First Church Music Director Ian Garvey. The only requirement to be in the show is to be a member of one of the First Church's kindergarten through 12th grade children's choirs. Many of the children are from families who are members of the church, but there are also quite a few who are not members. Over the years, there have been many families who have first joined the children's music program, then joined the church, added Garvey. 14-year-old Kirill Koopenbender 
a ninth grader at Belmont High School, has been performing in the First Church musicals since he was seven. This year, he's playing the ogre himself, Shrek. He's a very real character. People can connect to him. He's not perfect. He has many flaws, said Koopenbender. He said that the best part about being in the musical is the sense of pride when it goes from nothing to a show. But Shrek is more than just a musical. First Church members and volunteer assistant director Heather Quay said, It's great to see the cast become a team, supporting and encouraging each other and working together to put on a terrific performance. One of Quay's main responsibilities is organizing the makeup, a Herculean task for a show featuring fairy tale characters. Added director Ian Garvin, the other amazing thing to watch is the growing sense of community as the rehearsals progress. Shrek's story. The storyline of Shrek the musical is the same as the beloved animated DreamWorks film. Shrek, after being mocked and feared his entire life by everyone, retreats to a swamp to exist in isolation. One day, a group of fairy tale characters are forced into his sanctuary, having been evicted by the vertically challenged Lord Farquaad. Shrek offers them a deal. He'll try to get them their homes back if they'll agree to leave him alone. So Shrek sets off and on the way finds a companion who will challenge his concept of friendship and loyalty, a princess who mysteriously needs to disappear at night, and a dragon whose loneliness has made her murderous. And Shrek learns that perhaps being alone isn't the best way to live after all. Now over to Max. Thanks, Claire. Firefighter retires after 29 years of service. Lieutenant Antonio Tino Azone gazed down at his watch and paused. About 17 hours, he said. By the next morning, tears were in his eyes as he drove two hours back to his home in the Cape. He had just retired from Belmont Center Fire Station. Thursday, October 18th, was the last time he woke up at the crack of dawn to relieve a colleague before 7.30 a.m. It was the last time he expected a loud siren to wake him out of his bunk that would tell him someone, somewhere, needed his help. Since 1989, Azone has worked a career he passionately loved. My only regret is that I'm retiring. I wish I could do the job until I was 100 years old, but you can't, he said. For ordinary people, the idea of taking a step back from such a life-consuming job at the tender age of 54 would be a luxury. Azone's wife is excited about his retirement, with the hope that they can travel more together. But for Azone, leaving the fire department is heartbreaking. The camaraderie among fire departments is one that develops in the tight-knit environment they live in. They cook for each other, do housework together, sleep in close proximity to each other, and talk smack to each other about almost anything. You know, cops, their home base is their car, and they ride around and they get busy. We have a home base, Azone said. Newcomers Jonathan O'Brien and Tom Vizzo, both 28, joined Belmont Fire Department nine month, months ago and can already speak to the special nature of the job. Last night, this is going to sound cheesy, but since yesterday was Tuesday, we did Taco Tuesday. And I was getting my dinner together, and everyone was pretty pumped up because it was the first game of the World Series, and the energy in the kitchen was pretty cool, Vizzo said. This was pretty great. I get to hang out with these dudes, watch the World Series. You can't do that anywhere else. Hands down the best job in the world, said O'Brien. 
On his final day, Azone was a much, as much a part of the community as the day he started at 24. While other firefighters chat in front of one of the three massive fire trucks parked in the garage, Tino plugged his phone into a new retirement present, a sleek black Bose speaker, and blasted young MC's Bust a Move. Azone has seen his fair share of frightening events in his career and admits he is worried for his life. It's scary. Sometimes you'd be up in some attic and you can't see and there's fire above your head and you can't get out. But I've never really thought that this was it. According to a multi-year study conducted by the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, there is strong evidence that indicates firefighters have above-average risk of developing certain cancers. The Zoe and O'Brien remember a four-hour presentation on the topic. It's all cancer prevention, from the materials to using the equipment appropriately and for the right period of time, having the equipment in the station to get rid of the toxins from your gear, gear washers, gear dryers, because you put 32 years into the, the career and you want to enjoy the retirement, said O'Brien. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Police participate in No Shave November <clears throat> by Joanna K. Zavallis. Wondering why some Belmont police officers aren't shaving this month? 20 members of the Belmont Police Department are participating in First Responder No Shave November to benefit Home Base. Home Base's mission is to help veterans and their families heal from the invisible wounds of battle, such as post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury. Belmont Detective James Sercusa, president of the Belmont Police Patrolmen's Association, recruited fellow officers to participate and so far has raised close to $3,000. This year's con con contributing officers include Officer Matthew Benoit, Officer Anthony DiStefano, Officer Michael Pellerin, Officer Jonathan Rydell, Officer Robert Sacker, Officer Matt Stewart, Officer Corey Taylor, Dispatcher Tom O'Brien, Dispatcher Colby Weston, Officer Marco D'Andrea, Officer Rich Murphy, Officer Brian O'Donovan, Officer Bill Watkins, Detective Paul Garabedian, Detective Jim Syracusa, Sergeant Shiraz Benozian, Sergeant Kevin Shea, Sergeant Paul Cowing, Lieutenant Chris Donahue, and Lieutenant Mark Hurley. On November 28th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., participating officers will go to Fenway Park for the finale of the fundraiser. Some officers will be shaved at the Bostonian Barbershop. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. Belmont Wellness Coalition awarded a grant by Lisa Gibellario. The Belmont Wellness Coalition was recently awarded a five-year drug-free communities grant from the White House's Office of National Drug Control Policy and the Federal Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Only 120 communities nationwide received an award this grant cycle. The Town of Belmont is eager to bolster its youth substance use prevention efforts 
and to work collaboratively with a cross-section of town departments as well as community and youth members. This funding is a recognition by the federal government that Belmont, through the establishment of the Belmont Wellness Coalition, is poised to roll up its sleeves and continue the work of reducing youth substance use through collaborative community efforts, said Lisa Gibellario, prevention specialist at Wayside, a longtime Belmont resident and a parent of three teenagers. Belmont will rely on its coalition to mobilize partners from across the community with the ultimate goal of implementing town-wide prevention strategies that reduce youth use of alcohol, marijuana, and other drugs. The focus of the first year of the grant is twofold, assessment, identifying the problem, and capacity building, building the coalition. This past year, the coalition made a Narcan training available for Belmont residents, provided a parent workshop at the Chenery Middle School titled Best Practices for Parenting Teens, instituted a relaxation station at the high school during final exam week, and implemented a mini YRBS survey to 335 eighth graders in order to establish a baseline of data concerning substance use, perception of harm, and rates of parental disapproval. The BWC hopes to develop an awareness campaign and to support parent education in order to shift the community norm away from the inevitability of underage substance use. For instance, that substance use is a rite of passage for youth. The Belmont Wellness Coalition was founded in 2017 to support substance use prevention and education efforts. Its membership includes parents, youth, community leaders, clergy, local business representation, as well as school department and town employees, all of whom work collaboratively to support the coalition's mission to use education and empowerment to reduce substance use and to promote healthy choices and positive decision making. Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time. Over to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont. <laughs>